Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Nightline Sports Network, brought to you by Travis Dever and the Dever team. 386-690-1636. Nightline is brought to you by the Dever team. Your source for New Smyrna Beach real estate and everything else New Smyrna Beach. Go to www.thedeverteam.com and call UCF alumni Travis Dever for all your New Smyrna Beach needs. 386-690-1636. That's 386-690-1636. Welcome to UCF Nightline, your source for UCF sports and former player information. Hello, Night Nation. This is Andrew Fagley coming to you from the 1148 studios, and this is Nightline 255. Joining me as always, Roger Phipps. And on this week's show, Draft Day Records, Recruiting Rhetoric. Will the playoff picture get biggie sized? We are the literal champions. The Tijuana Flats Hot Take of the Week, News and Notes, and your questions on Ask Nightline. All righty. Hey, did you see Chad Barr's thing about the word literal? Is that the, no. new, is the new cool wor- word to use? So and you used it. I think it's hilarious uh, that you <laughs> used it after that. Okay. Anyway, uh, he posted on Facebook something about you know like is this the new word because everybody is using literal or literally like all the time. So that's funny. I think it's funny because I've noticed the trend as well. So anyway, uh, what a big week uh, with the NFL draft going on. Um, five players picked. We weren't sure. We had talked about this a bunch on either this show or Nightline at Night. And that's on WDBO 107.3 and AM 580, by the way, uh, on Tuesday nights, 9 o'clock. Uh, but anyway, we have been talking about the draft quite a bit. We didn't get into it as much as we probably wanted to in the last couple of weeks, just because all kinds of stuff was going on, busy and all that stuff. So I'm glad to be back with you all. I'm glad that y'all are listening uh, and all that stuff. But anyway, NFL draft. Five players picked. That would be Richie Grant, uh, A-Rob, Aaron Robinson, Trey Nixon, Jacob Harris, and Tay Gowan. 
pretty good. I mean, what do you think, Roger? I mean, it's a huge deal. Uh, when we were talking about this, I certainly wasn't expecting five. Our good buddy um, uh, Ben Stout had, had made this his hot take, so I guess it wasn't as much of a hot take that we actually got five uh, to be drafted. I mean, we're talking about something that's never happened at UCF before. We've had two times that we've had four draft picks, but five is solid. It's huge. And it speaks to, um, you know, just how this program is growing and, and, and how much respect that it's getting as well. Um, I saw something a little while ago and it was something, I think I got to go back to Twitter because I think I retweeted it. It was something that UCF football put out, I believe. Oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, Changing the narrative is the title, and it says 100% more uh, than AAC teams this year for UCF, Um, 80% more of Big 12 teams, 79% more than Big 10 teams, 79% more than uh, AAC or ACC teams, 75% more than Pac 12 teams, and 57% of SEC teams. So uh, we did pretty well with our five. Richie Grant obviously going to the Atlanta Falcons, the 40th pick, which is really a big deal uh, to be picked that high. I think I was one of the people that was saying that he would be the first one picked and that he would go pretty good. I I thought maybe he would eke his way into the first round, but he was barely out of it. So uh, I don't know where I left off. Richie Grant to the Falcons, Aaron Robinson to the New York Giants, uh, Jacob Harris to the L.A. Rams, Tay Gowan to the Arizona Cardinals, excuse me, and then Trey Nixon to the New England Patriots, which they're not the Patriots they used to be, but anyway. Uh, so far so good. I I believe, I I think that Richie Grant obviously will, you know, do really well in Atlanta. I think that's the perfect spot for him, even though I'm not really an Atlanta fan. Um, but I, I think that this is a really big deal, uh, that he was drafted where he was at the time that he was 40. He will make a lot of money. So. Yeah, eight point two million with a possible signing bonus of three point three million. Oh, you so saw the numbers already? I didn't see that yet. Yeah, Sports Watch uh, already had them out there for him and for Aaron Robinson, but nobody else yet. So how far did Aaron? How how far is Aaron Robinson off of that then? Well, he was picked with pick number seventy one, which was round three, and his deal is worth five point million with a possible signing bonus of one point one million. So, so significantly million. less. Yeah. Yeah, but still, uh, still, hey, that's a solid payday for for two guys that come out of UCF, right? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Jacob Harris is the one that really is surprising, especially compared to the way that Trey Nixon got drafted. Uh, Trey Nixon, seventh round, two forty two at the very end of the draft. Not uh, Mister Irrelevant that went to the some guy from Houston, uh, but uh, Jacob Harris, fourth round, one forty one uh, pick to the Los Angeles Rams, you know, we've been critical of Jacob Harris, I have at least, uh, about catching the ball. Imagine if he could catch the ball as well as some of these other guys did, because I pointed out to you guys, you and Ben, last night in a text message, Gabe Davis was drafted fourth round 128th, and then Jacob Harris fourth round 141. 
you see how well Gabe Davis has done in the NFL. Imagine if Jacob Harris could do that well. He was drafted right around the same position. Wasn't nearly the receiver at UCF that, that Gabe Davis was. So I don't know if that's a knock on, on Gabe Davis or, you know, good for Jacob Harris for showing out in that pro day. You know what I'm saying? Brandon yeah, Marshall I mean, also fourth round, 119th. Uh, who else here? That I mean, you know. That, well, that, those, those guys Brandon are Marshall all... and Gabe Davis were the two receivers that were fourth rounders before uh, Jacob Harris was picked. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. you know, that's good company to be in is what I'm saying for Jacob Harris. Yeah. Uh, not so great for, for Trey Nixon um, at seventh round, 242nd. You know, um, it is what it is, I guess. Well, what's interesting when you when you fall into that position is, is it better for you to go almost undrafted free agent to be able to pick which team and the best uh, best offer that you can get? Because um, around that si- around that time in the seventh round, they're making about the same money and nothing is guaranteed at that level. So it's uh, it's an interesting conundrum from him for him. I'm happy he was uh, actually picked because that says something all in itself. But um, I think Trey was really, really hurt by his injury uh, last season that kept him out of a lot of games. But at the end of the day, it's almost like you would almost want to be an undrafted free agent so you could have, um, you know, you could compare what the offers were. And when you're talking about receivers, I mean, the other big, uh, big thing is Marlon Williams. I mean, Marlon Williams led the NFL in, or the NFL, yeah, college football in receiving had yards. Had a horrible it, pro day, though. Horrible. Oh, yeah, terrible. Horrible. So, I mean, so that's what did as, it to him. Yeah, as much as Jacob Harris was helped, I mean, Marlon just really killed his draft stock during his pro day. Yeah, pro Trey, day. He Trey, did. Going, go ahead. Going back real quick to Trey Nixon. Uh, he is going to have to show something that I don't believe that he showed too much of. And, and yes, I'm going to dog Trey Nixon. I don't care if y'all like him or whatever. I like him as a person. I just don't think that he showed the effort that he could the entire 100% of the time. I've always I've said it before. I've called Trey Nixon the laziest player in the game because he would just kind of go out there and do his thing and not do anything extra, not diving for a lot of balls. At the beginning of the year, last year, when he was playing that that first game because he got hurt he was showing a little bit more of that and I wondered if he would you know start doing a little bit more of that this year but I mean it obviously the injury did hurt him really bad I just hope that he goes to the New England Patriots knows that he's the underdog at the seventh round of 242 and goes out there and gives it his absolute all because I don't think that we saw a, a lot of that at UCF well, the interesting thing, I mean, obviously Brady's not there anymore, but uh, the New England Patriots are known for developmental receivers. I mean, Brady himself was a, a sixth or seventh round draft pick, uh, Wes Welker, all those big names that came through the Patriots. So the coaching staff there knows how to uh, turn folks into winners. The, and the I question hope he is, does. I mean, I hope he goes there and is an all-NFL pro bowler. I hope he does. I'm just saying that I that I, I worry about that with him. Maybe this is I don't know. I, I just it's just my observation and I think other people have had that observation as well. I don't think I'm the only one that doesn't think that he was, you know, gave it his all on on hundred percent of the plays. 
You know well, the I'm good saying? news is he's going to have his opportunity, right? Not very many players do. So hopefully he makes the most of it and uh, and does what he can. I don't know, and, and we've talked about this in the past, I don't know how much of that was Heupel t- telling him to take the play off because you saw a lot of receivers doing that in his system. Um, but you're right. I mean, when it came to stretching for balls, and, and I know that was a frustration during the season, not last season, but the season before we would talk about this is, he could have made that catch. I don't know how many times uh, we use that quote during games, but uh, there was a lot of that going on because if he would have just hit that extra gear or stretched out a little bit, he would have had a play on the ball at yeah, least. Yeah, and I wonder if the NFL uh, scouts saw that. I mean, they had to have seen that in his tape. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I- I'm sure that that, that that hurt him. I'm glad that he got drafted, I- and I wish him the absolute best. I'm just saying, from my observation... And it's it's nothing really it's nothing personal against him. He's a great guy. It's just you know we're here to analyze football, and and that's that's my analysis of him. So Jacob Harris, the other thing, I mean, you know, if if he had the hands that some of these other guys did, as much as he is an athlete, he could be a an absolute barn burner in the NFL. So. I well, hope he's got the... that they work on his hands immediately. And I think they, if they saw his tape, you know, not just highlights, but the balls that he missed during the season, especially last year, the big ones that he missed, I, I think that they probably, you know, would see that they need to work with him a little bit. Well, the big thing with him, um, you know, one, he hadn't been playing football. Remember, he he came on, he came into Division One athletics. Uh, on a soccer scholarship to Florida Gulf Coast and then went to App State and then came down or Western Kentucky, one of the two, and then came down to us. Yeah. So, you know, at this point, um, the big thing, they the the team had come out and when they announced him, they had said that he was going to be a tight end. And there was some rumors about that. And he had said in one of his interviews that at the pro day, uh, there were a bunch of teams that came up to him to ask him if he'd be comfortable with moving to tight end, which um, he has... A lot of good qualities. He obviously has a size. He'd have to put on some weight for that. Um, but he has route running ability and he blocks pretty well. So um, if he can turn the corner and, and turn himself and transition himself into a tight end, he might have some staying power. I don't think it'll be at the wide receiver position in the NFL. But uh, if he if he turns himself into a tight end and can take those quick passes in the flat and uh, use his speed to create some separation, I think he might have some success. What do you think of the drop of what we thought of Aaron Robinson probably being the first pick? I, th- I think a lot of people thought, uh, I-, I think you were one of the people that was really set on on him being the first pick and had read a lot of things. What about dropping all the way to 71 in the third round when we thought that he may have been a first rounder or even a second rounder? Well, there were some projections out there from some of the big names out there that were saying he he was looking at uh, first or second round. But but my big thought was I thought Richie Grant was for sure a first rounder. But that being said, um, there was one other safety that was rated above both of them. Um, and um, you know, with with Robinson, I think the big thing with him that's a, a positive and a negative for him is. Up until this point, he's been kind of a specialist. He's been a nickel quarterback, which in the NFL is an area of need because there's a lot of nickel that's played. But then the flip side of it is he didn't really have an opportunity to show uh, very much of his other corner skills or traditional corner skills. So I think that's why he dropped. Um, That being said, uh, Richie Grant, 
I was hoping for him for a first round, uh, low first round, or not low, high first round draft pick, uh, or an upper level second, and he about landed where where I thought he would. But cornerbacks typically have more, um, you know, more opportunities than safeties do. And I know there was one safety ahead of Richie Grant that was rated a little bit higher than him. So he landed about where I thought. Aaron Robinson, um, I, I just think he was a victim of of kind of being a nickel corner that the um, uh, or defensive back and the then, entire time. And then Tay Gowan going in the sixth round, two twenty third. I think that taking last year off, and he had a great excuse for doing it. Uh, if I was in his situation, I probably would have done the exact same thing. But I think that that hurt him a lot. Uh, I agree with you there. Yeah, sixth round, two uh, two twenty three. I mean. He's a better player than that, I believe. So uh, he will get a good opportunity there at Arizona, though, um, being a draft pick. So he should, uh, you know, have the ability to, you know, make himself uh, show him them that he's a better player than six round two twenty three. A couple of these guys, uh, Trey Nixon, Tay Gowan, both have the opportunity to be the underdog in a way. If you're you're drafted sixth and seventh round you're an underdog to make it in the nfl and those guys know what it's like to be the underdog and they need to uh they have the opportunity to show it so yeah and i think for i think for tay gallon you're you hit the nail on the head obviously he took a year off for uh for medical reasons um some stuff going on with his family but at the end of the day i think he would have been one of the ones that left a lot of money on the table if he would have just come back for another year and played another year um i understand why he did what he did but i you know we we go through this cycle every year and we say okay who should have come back who shouldn't have i think tay gallon left a lot of money on the table because of that and trey nixon had the opportunity to come back as well in fact all of them really had the opportunity to come back so yeah the big thing, because though, that the COVID oh, rules uh, and, and getting the extra year of eligibility, they all had a chance to come back. But those two in particular would have probably uh, made a lot of progress if they would have. Yeah, and the big thing, too, when you get down into the sixth and seventh round, again, those are not guaranteed contracts, unlike the higher end ones. And if if a um, organization is going to invest eight to twelve million dollars in you as a draft pick coming out of the draft, you are going to have more opportunity and more chances to prove yourself if you don't do it year one. Uh, whereas folks that are in the sixth, seventh round, you know, it's a really financial. It's basically they're taking a gamble because they think there's something there. But if they don't, uh, a lot of times those folks go to practice squad and have to earn their way back. So that's that's the other bad thing about being drafted in those later rounds. All right, good things off the first uh, off the top of our heads for the beginning. Let's go on to ask Nightline though and talk about uh, hear what people ask and talk about that real quick. Ask a Nightline is brought to you by Chad Bar Law. Chad is a UCF alumnus and diehard Knights fan. Chad Bar Law handles auto accident, slip and fall, and personal injury cases. Call Chad today at 407-599-9036 for a free consultation. That's 407-599-9036. Armor up and call Chad Bar Law today. All right, time again for Ask Nightline. We're answering questions you posted on our Facebook page or via Twitter at hashtag Ask Nightline. 
going to start off with Tony C at Kilotone 407. Uh, so two recruits from the class of 2021 entered the transfer portal, meaning those two scholarships are wasted now. Since both players already enter, uh, already enrolled, uh, tight end and a defensive end, what are your thoughts? I think that this is going to happen more often as we go. Uh, I don't think... And a quarterback. There was a, a quarterback that I don't even know his Gaston name. Gaston Moore. Moore. Uh, yep. Irrelevant. Uh, and, and these two guys, uh, Burboom was one of them. I don't even know who the defensive end was, to be honest with you. Joker Gill. Okay. Well, never heard of him. I mean, except that I know that he that he was, you know, committed and, and coming in early. This is going to happen more and more as we go on through the years of this new quote-unquote, and I'm using air quotes, you can't see them, free agency in college football. Everybody has the opportunity to transfer at least once uh, and not have to wait to play anywhere they want to go. Anywhere that they will take them, they can go. This is going to happen a lot, both directions. We're going to get players. Players are going to leave. They've got to figure something out about the scholarship situation, though, and I don't know exactly the rules on this. I'm not an NCAA rule expert, so I'm not sure that those scholarships are actually wasted. I don't know. I'm telling you, I don't know about that. So if, if they are, that's kind of a bummer. But they're going to have to figure that out at some point to make this not happen with players uh, and, and losing scholarship numbers. If that is correct, that's worrisome. Um, but with these guys going, uh, Burboom especially was like, did you see him during spring ball at all? I never remember seeing him or hearing anything about him. Or the other guy, the tight end, or the the uh, defensive end. I don't remember hearing anything about them. So I would assume that these guys, and, and I'm assuming, but I would assume that these guys were low enough on the depth chart that they realized, hey, wait a second, I'm not going to get any playing time. Maybe I can go someplace else and get some playing time. Maybe these groups, especially defensive end, is, is getting pretty good. Tight end is pretty good. Neither one of these guys were recruited by the current head coach. So that's another thing. They had, I mean, really, the current head coach has no loyalty to these guys at all. As far as, like, especially with them being freshmen, totally new guys, doesn't know anything about them except tape that maybe he's found on these guys or seen them in practice. But these guys just aren't his guys. A lot of the guys aren't. Most of the guys aren't. But if you're way down on the depth chart and your opportunity to play is zero to none, why not go someplace else? And this new ruling by the NCAA gives you the opportunity to do that. So good for them if they wind up going someplace else and getting playing time because they probably weren't going to get it here. Well, I agree with all of that, Andrew, and I I do I can confirm for Tony that they do count against this year's limit. I don't know Where how that works. Where does it say that though? Is that an NCAA rule? That's NCAA rule. Yes, okay. I read that. I don't remember exactly where I read it, but I did read it earlier this week. Um, what I don't know is what happens after this year because technically they are on year-to-year scholarships that are just basically renewed. 
So I don't know how that counts against the total count. What I will say, if you go through all four of these, um, let's just talk about them real quick. As you mentioned, Gaston Moore, he was a guy uh, that basically was a clipboard holder. So he was just standing on the side, on the sideline, um, and he really doesn't have an impact on, on anything, really. Uh, when we're talking about tight end, remember, we've been loading up on tight ends. And, and here's the thing, too, guys, that you have to remember. We've been celebrating how much we've been leveling up uh, by Gus being here, whether it's talking about Big Cat or some of the other folks that he's bringing in. Um, that's going to cause some of these guys that would have been good enough uh, on the uh, with the previous staff to kind of look away. Tony Forrest was the other one. And Nathan Borboom. I remember we were excited about Borboom, but I think we had six tight ends going into spring. So if you lose two of them, you're down to four tight ends. You know, if you're down in number five and number six on that rotation, it probably makes sense for you to look. And the interesting thing is with Joker Gill, he went back to his JUCO school. So he came up, got uh, came up, got a scholarship here. And was here basically for the first part of the year. And then now he's going back to that JUCO. So I don't know if that's just performance or grades or a combination of both. Um, You would think that he would put his name in the transfer portal if it wasn't, if grades weren't involved and transfer to another division one school. Um, But, you know, that's uh, to your point, Andrew, we are bringing in and transferring more people in at a higher level, which pushes people down the depth chart, which is a good thing for us, but it is going to create a little bit of a vacuum there in the number of scholarship players on the roster during that time. Um, but the hope is, is, you know, part of the reason you get so many scholarships is you know you're not going to hit on every single player. So if we're bringing in transfers, and, and quite frankly, four out of the five people that we got drafted over the last week um, we're transfers. So if we're bringing in a higher caliber of transfers, um, then that's okay if we lose it because we may not have as many scholarship positions, but we're hitting at a higher rate with those uh, starters or or people in the 2D. Yeah. Well, well I'll have to look at that rule because uh, I want to read that myself and see, you know, how that works because that, you know, is going to be a huge problem if they don't deal with that. Uh, for those players counting against your scholarship. If they're gone, I don't see any reason why that that would count against your use of scholarships if those players aren't actively on your team or on your campus. You know what I'm saying? That's weird. So, well, and I think because I the rule is... I'm not is, saying I don't believe you, but I want to read it myself. No, 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 no. I, I think I think the key is is that they're on year... And, and I don't want to speak out of turn, and we'll look at this, but I think the key here is is that they're on year-to-year scholarships, technically. They're not on a four-year ride. They're just renewed every year. So if they're here during that season or that period, and they're going to school and they're enrolled, it counts against that particular period. And again, I'm going to jump out on a limb here with this because I haven't confirmed it. I think because they're on a year-to-year scholarship, they don't count uh, going forward. So after that year or academic year is over, I think they're, that it doesn't count against it. But I didn't want to say that because I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, interesting. Uh, well, we'll see. And this is one of the other things that uh, is is really weird about all this. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's going to mess a lot of stuff up if they don't get it all under control. 
uh, Chad, UCF, Chad, Chad, at, at Chad, UCF. How, yeah, <laughs> this is kind of a question and an answer at the same time. Yeah, how did we have five players drafted and lost so many games? First of all, we didn't lose that many games in, in these players, you know, uh, years at UCF. A lot of these players were on that 2017 team, at least Richie Grant. I don't know about the rest of them, but Richie Grant definitely was. Uh, I, I mean, yes, we've gone, what, two years without being undefeated? Three No, two years without being undefeated, and we lost, what, a total of eight games, something like that? Yeah. Right? That's not yep. that many games compared to most other college football programs. I've been saying this the entire time. These players were good players. There's all kinds of reasons we lose games. It's not because of the five players that were drafted. Well, it's not a, a not a team of five either. That's the other thing. Like Richie Grant can't cover the infi- the entire defensive back core. I mean, if you you look at that BYU game, you had a, a ton of freshmen that were out there. Um, that were playing and learning and, and throughout the season. The depth just wasn't there this year for the defensive backfield. So when you're looking at it from that perspective, you had, you're talking about three folks uh, that were on the defensive side of the ball, one of which did not play the entire season. The other two, um, you know, did play, but they're not the inf- entire defensive backfield. And then on the offensive side of the ball, again, we mentioned this earlier, Trey Nixon was out. Um, so, you know, to me, there were a lot of things that went into this year. Um, I think, uh, what we've learned a lot as well, championship football requires people to be bought in and requires people to play as a team. That's what made 2017 so special is you saw who the the cast of characters were and what they did to win. There was just a feeling about that team. Last year's team didn't have that. And you've heard a lot with people that have gone, uh, you know, have left uh, the program or completed their UCF careers. And then you've heard about how, you know, the the offense and defense are now closer than they were under the previous staff and all of that other fun stuff. That all plays into winning games. And the games that we lost, uh, we didn't lose them by a whole lot. So it wasn't like we were demolished. Uh, it's just one of those things that I think timing um, is of the essence. And we got to remember it is a team sport, not an individual sport for a reason. Absolutely. I agree. All right. So I think we answered that one. Um, and then Brian W. Peterson at Brian W. Peterson on Twitter uh, asks of the five UCF players drafted this week, which will have the most success in the NFL and why? Um I'm going to start off, obviously, by saying Richie Grant, because he's in the best position to do that. And I think with the current situation in Atlanta, where they had one of the absolute worst uh, pass game defenses last year, I think he will start. That's going to be uh, maybe kind of a hot take from me, but I think he will start at safety for them next year. And he, uh, it sounds like they will... uh, build around him there is what one of the uh, reporters said uh, to him in his initial press conference uh, informed him he didn't know or he didn't you know wasn't aware that they plan on building a defense around him at the safety position or at least the backfield around him so I think that I mean I think it's a no-brainer that he would be the one 
Well, I agree with you. Uh, that would have been my choice as well. But um, for and and you're right on all of those, everything you said. But I just think it's more about the ceiling and quality of the player. Uh, Richie Grant, I think, is a uh, we've been saying this for a couple of years now is an NFL caliber player. And he played that way and he's playing it in the safety position. I think Aaron Robinson, um, you know, he may have longevity in the league. Uh, if he gets pigeonholed into that nickel spot, um, he may have a great career at that nickel spot, but he won't uh, be inv- as involved as some of, as a safety position because you know even the Atlanta coaching staff said we can bring him down. Uh, he does well. He has great instincts uh, inside the box or rushing, uh, and he has great instincts when he's playing out uh, out in the field. So if he's playing if he's playing both ways, I think he can have a bigger impact. Um, I think that the, the rest of the folks are going to be developmental type people. And, you know, as we said earlier, the sixth and seventh rounders are going to have to fight their way. And it might take a couple seasons for them to even get on a, on a roster rotation where they're playing in the two or three deep, let alone starting. I think with the investment that Atlanta has had in them, his capabilities and what we've seen out of him as he's played UCF football, I think Richie, Richie Grant will have um, the better career and the most impact um, for a lot of reasons. So that that's kind of my take on it. All right. I think that's good. That is Ask Nightline. Let's take a break real quick, and we'll be right back, and we'll talk a lot more about this uh, NFL draft. Hey, this is Travis Dever, Kai's Real Estate, the Dever team, New Smyrna Beach, your source for real estate and everything else, New Smyrna Beach. Proud sponsor of Nightline. Call me anytime at 386 690 1636. That's 386 690 1636. Let me show you my hometown, New Smyrna Beach, UCF's favorite beach. Go, Knights, and charge on. An auto accident can change your life forever. At Chad Bar Law, we are raising the bar on what to expect from your personal injury attorney. Hi, I'm Chad Barr, and I want you to know that our entire team is dedicated to providing you with the representation you deserve in your greatest time of need. If you or a loved one have been injured in an auto accident, call 407-599-9036 for a free consultation or visit chadbarlaw.com. At Chad Bar Law, our clients come to us in need and leave us family. Offices, Altamont Springs. Looking for more out of your Porsche? Look no further than Flat6Motorsports.com. They have the widest selection of aftermarket Porsche parts anywhere in the world. With over 85 product lines and in-depth expertise, Flat6Motorsports.com is your one-stop shop for any Porsche performance needs. Whether you're shopping for intakes, exhaust, suspension, or tuning, they have you covered. Flat6Motorsports.com is the premier Porsche aftermarket specialist. Check them out at Flat6Motorsports.com. All right, that's a real car, by the way, at the end of that. that was and real, it sounds amazing. That was real audio. That is our good friend John Swift's uh, Porsche, that, and that's his company. So uh, if you have a Porsche, go there and uh, talk to him. Flat6Motorsports.com. He has all kinds of really cool stuff. Uh, and really good guy, UCF guy. You heard him on here. He used to do the uh, the spot. Uh, it was like a stats spot. I can't even remember what we called it. It was, uh, I don't know. It was John It Swift's wasn't by spot. the numbers, was it? Uh, it was something, I don't know. It was something like that, I think. Uh, crunching numbers. That's what it was. Crunching the numbers. Remember I had the little keyboard sound in there? Yep, I remember. 
That was good. That was good stuff. All right. Uh, so back to the draft. Uh, one of the things I wanted to play, if you didn't get to see it live or, or even taped, here is the sounds from NFL dot or, or not NFL.com. You can find it on NFL.com as well. But from the NFL Network, ESPN, ABC, wherever you're watching it, here is the actual audio from when Richie Grant was picked and what they said about him. With the 40th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Richie Grant, defensive back, UCF. Uh, Richie Grant, a great story. Two-star prospect out of high school, turns himself into a three-year starter. His uncle played at Alabama, and then in the Canadian Football League. Lewis, let's take a look at what he can do. Well, he can do everything, Greeny. This is a guy who can play both safety positions. He can play down in the box and play the star and the money in nickel and sub. Look, the, the pro comparisons right here are to the Honey Badger and to Malcolm Jenkins. And you see here, he can match up against tight ends one-on-one. Why? Because he has great route anticipation and great finishing skills, and he does it like with his eyes closed. You see here, Malcolm Jenkins against Gronk. The ability to slingshot yourself underneath down here in the red area where you can't get boxed out by big tight ends like that. And then the ability to play center field. We saw this clip earlier. Just watch the distance he covers. Watch him read the quarterback's eyes. He's already gone. Quarterback hasn't even let the ball go yet. And you see him finish with the interception. The interception. Not the PBU. The interception. Tyron Matthew, one of the very best at doing this. A guy who will read quarterbacks, read route combinations, and he will take your lunch money, man. And he will give it right to Patrick Mahomes and say, hey, go ahead and score. This is a great pickup right here by Terry Fontenot, the general manager, and Arthur Smith, the head coach. This defense was awful last year, awful in terms of passing yards allowed and passing DDs. Richie Grant will help reduce that. Wow. that I mean, the names that he threw out there, that they threw out, especially Tyron Matthew. I'm, I'm a huge fan of his because he's on my team, obviously, my, my Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm very aware of what he does and the exciting way that he plays. That was a great uh, comparison of, of a player like Richie Grant, personally. And I think Richie Grant can be just as big as Tyron Matthew, the honey badger. Uh, in the NFL, and I cannot wait to see it. I'm going to be watching some Atlanta games, unfortunately. I have to watch all these these teams now that uh, I really wouldn't watch otherwise. I know that some of you are, y'all are Atlanta Falcons fans, but not particularly a team that I would watch normally. I agree with you, and I guess that's a good thing for the NFL, right? Uh, but, um, you know, it, it's funny. I, I also find myself watching NFL games that I wouldn't normally watch just to to, I mean, Bills games are a perfect example. I, I would watched have never a bunch watched of the Seattle Bills game. games the last couple of years that I didn't particularly want to watch. Yep, exactly. But uh, you know, our hometown heroes are on those teams, and um, you know that's a good thing that 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 happens. And for for them, um, you know, once their college experience is over, that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't uh, continue to root for them as people. So absolutely. Yeah, so for me, I'm the same way. I'll, I'll watch entirely too much NFL football just so uh, in games I would not ordinarily be interested in just so I can watch our guys. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, him being picked 40th overall uh, puts him with some some pretty good company uh, in UCF history as well. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So uh, Mike Hughes was drafted in the first round, obviously 30th. 
Uh, but that was the really the the highest one um, besides him. So drafted very high in by UCF standards for defensive backs. DBU for sure. I mean, just because it has they weren't been. All... I mean, yeah. If you think about this, Shaquille Griffin was drafted in the third at the ninetieth pick. Uh, Josh Robinson, uh, third round, sixty sixth. Asante Samuel, fourth round, one twenty. Uh, who else here? Clayton Gathers, fourth round, one oh nine. Um, guys that have met, and I think I said Hughes, first round, thirtieth. But these AJ guys. Bouye. A.J. Bouye as well, but these guys have, and I don't even see him, they, they left him off the list here, uh, UCF did in their email, but uh, these guys that uh, were drafted a lot lower than him in some cases really made, you know, had really nice NFL careers, so um, crazy, it's crazy, crazy to think, and I know that he's that good of a player. Um, I, I honestly expected him to go a little bit quicker than that. I thought he would sneak his way into the first round. But being just a couple picks off of the first round is pretty good. Well, so. three were the, the first three picks went to quarterbacks, so there was three positions right off the board right yeah. then. And I think there was only one other safety that was taken before him. So yeah. I think he did really well considering all of the players that were out there uh, that he was contending with. And I think the NFL saw – something the same thing that we saw in him so i i i fully expect richie grant to be a name that people know around the league yeah 291 tackles at ucf uh fourth in ucf history for seven forced fumbles and fifth with 10 career interceptions his six interceptions in 2018 ranked third in the nation and had over 100 tackles uh during his sophomore season so he will definitely be missed at ucf uh, I, I will, you know, it, it's the, one of the, the positions that I'm the most concerned with, uh, being open this year from, from him leaving and going to the NFL. So, well, I mean, safety is the quarterback of the defensive backs, right? So, and that's the other part about it because we've had some young guys. I mean, they've had another, they've had a year to mature. Arguably. Yeah. Arguably, because I would say the middle linebacker personally. And I, and well, I that's of the safety. defense, but not the defensive well, backs, right? They're still considered. Well, okay, I still consider them defensive backs, but oh, interesting. Well, I mean, technically, they're behind the line. They're they're linebackers. I mean, maybe they're not in the. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, how many times have we seen uh, and how many times have we failed at having linebackers try to uh, cover receivers exactly. and not be able to do a good job of exactly. it? Exactly. So, yeah, whatever. I mean, that I whatever. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, that's how I look at it. Anything but behind the line to me is a defensive back. And that was instilled in me a long time ago uh, in way back in football. So I played linebacker when I was in like you know the 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 peewee version of football we called it peewee like they call it something else around here i think but pop warner pop warner yeah we didn't use the pop warner system ours was just peewee so it was fun i had a blast playing then um okay uh on to aaron robinson and we have his audio as well with the 71st pick in the 2021 nfl draft the New York Giants select Aaron Robinson, D 
defensive back, UCF. There's your guy, Burger, from the same high school as Jerry Judy and Jason Pierre-Paul. Love him. Talk about a guy that can play inside in the slot. Physical guy. You, anytime you're going to play inside in the nickel position, you got to be physical. You got to have great hips, great feet to be able to mirror inside. And the thing I love about him, not only will he hit you, he will strike you. Not afraid of contact. Find guys male like that on the inside, not afraid of contact. You can blitz him. Reminds me a lot of Rondé Barber, who we had down in Tampa. Physical in the run game, to cover in the pass game, to put him against tight end slot receivers, but also bring him on blitzes and make plays in the back. Guys, here in Alabama. So you think about it, when he came to UCF, he really Tay Gallon opted out. Tay Gallon's another UCF corner that will be drafted within the next round or two. We saw Richie Grant come off the board in round two. So this US UCF secondary supplying the NFL with an awful lot of talent. Grant went to Atlanta, 40th pick over. Like I said, Tay Gallon has the length as well to be a pretty good cornerback in the National Football League, and Aaron Robinson, what a job he did down there for the Golden Knights. Wah, wah, wah. He the did, they Knights, were doing huh? really well until he threw that in at the very end. It was, it was a great, you know, thing until he ruined it by saying Golden Knights. I will say this. I mean, if you're a recruit and you're watching the draft, I mean, and you're defensive back, and you just heard him say there's three of them that are going to be going, and, uh, you know, all the glowing... Uh, praise that that came for the. Wouldn't you be interested? I mean, you were a defensive back recruit at one time. Would that would that float your boat? Absolutely, absolutely, it would. And they're watching. All these guys are watching. You know, I think UCF should make a big deal about this DBU thing. But then again, you don't want to leave the rest of the players out and say that you know because they're defensive backs they can't be drafted or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So yeah there's an issue with going too far with that, but I think we can do it here. I mean, DBU for sure. Uh, we thought we were wide receiver you there for a little while. Uh, and then Back all in of a the sudden, Bortles days. Yeah. Then all of a sudden the DBs come along. So, uh, yeah. So Aaron Robinson has a great opportunity there as well in New York. Uh, I'm not too horribly familiar with New York cause they've, they've really not been that great the last couple of years. So well, once uh, once but, Eli moved on, that was uh, you know that that was a big change for them. It was the kind of going down with him at the at the helm at for the, the last end, couple yeah. of years as well. The interesting thing is the Giants actually moved up five picks to get him. So uh, they were expecting him to come off the board. They actually traded in order to get in position to draft him. So obviously they saw a lot of value in him. Yeah, that's good. Very cool. All right. Well, the rest of them, uh, I didn't really get the audio from some, sometimes, in fact, I went through the, the draft footage cause I recorded it all. And, and a lot of times they would, as the picks were coming in, they would be talking about a pick that happened, you know, many picks before, cause they were really flying off the board at that time. It's a little bit different once it gets into the, to the latter rounds. So I did not, uh, get to, get the audio for those but i do have this thing and this is richie grant talking it's a little bit of a long clip it's like three minutes long but but you should listen to this it's uh clips from richie grant's press conference and and basically just an emotional response from him it's really cool give it a listen Jane come through man blessing uh my journey man but just meant to so much, you know. And uh, 
so grateful that they took a chance on me. You know, I'm forever grateful to the Atlanta organization. They got a dog. They got someone who's hungry. Um, I'm ready. I'm just ready to work, man. I'm ready to come in there and compete. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to get to work. I was, you know, I said a prayer and broke down. Uh, just, it's just so humbling, man. It's just so amazing to be in this position. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't like rehearse this. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just gonna happen how it happens. And the tears just started flooding. You know, and, uh, <laughs> we all just really excited. You know, we going to Atlanta, baby. It's still in the South. To be completely honest, my mind wasn't even, I don't even know. Like, I was just coming up. The words were just coming out. Like, it was just so surreal, man. I, I just didn't even think, you know. Uh, I just knew I was excited. I just knew I was ready to you know, come in and play. Uh, that, those are the two feelings I had. You know, the words were, I just, I don't know, man. I just couldn't even uh, formulate the words, man. I was just excited. Just all the hard work, man. Everything I've been through, you know, my family, uh, all the struggles I had personally, you know, that I don't open up people by often. Um, just, just, just so much that that could have went wrong, you know. And, uh, this God blessed me. He just blessed me. Uh, he blessed my life to be able to just stay on track, you know, and, and keep that hunger, you know, uh, humility, humbling me at times where I got too big, just, just keeping me on track because you know his plan is the ultimate plan, and. He been keeping me to that. Just my journey, man. It's just been just so much, man. Uh, you know, I started off. I started off defeating. I, you know, my mama had me at 14. You know, and uh, she could have aborted me, um, but she didn't. You know, that's God's plan. You know, so I started off defying the odds, and that's pretty much how my life been my entire life. You know, people say, "Oh, he's too small. Oh, he's not fast enough. Oh, he ain't smart enough." Oh, he didn't play. He didn't play enough enough tough guys. Whatever, it's always something, you know. And I'm always defying the odds, and that's thanks to God. You know, I got God in my corner, and, what I, and with Him, everything is possible. You know, so that moment, man, while saying that prayer, all that just rushed in on me, and I just couldn't hold it back, man. Like I said, you can't rehearse this. It happens how it goes. Ah, we doing it, baby. We a Falcon, baby. Yeah, man. I've been in Atlanta. A few times, you know, um, I actually trained in Atlanta for a little bit over COVID, uh, during COVID. Got to get the lead in there, you know, uh, get my way around, get my way around the scene and stuff like that. I already knew. I said, I'm going to be a Falcon. I said it. I said it during COVID. I said, I'm going to be a Falcon. I know it. And uh, like I said, God made things happen, man. He, he provides miracles. And this is one. So, so I'm grateful to Atlanta. Thank you so much. That's worth baby. All right. Well, awesome to hear the emotion come out. And obviously that's something that he had been working for. All these guys have been working for, you know, since being little kids playing football for the first time. So it's awesome to see these guys drafted. And I hope that they all uh, go out there and and make these teams and and do, you know, some good. haven't seen much more as far as uh, free agents except for Marlon Williams. So yeah, we shall see about the rest of them if they they get an opportunity. But Marlon Williams was was basically as the, right as the draft ended, he was picked up by the Texans, maybe even before. So uh, very cool for him. Hopefully, he gets a chance to show what he's made of, and I think that he will uh, out there. It, he is a guy that performs on the field. Obviously, didn't perform too well off the field as far as the pro day. 
Um, but we've all seen what he can do on the field, and I think that's where he really shows what he's made of. So he will get an ample opportunity to do that. Agree, 100% on that. All righty. Well, what's uh, what's next? Do you have anything else to add to the draft stuff? Um, the only one quick thing that's just a, an interesting tidbit that I saw. Of the last five drafts, rounds one through four, so last five drafts, last five years, rounds one through four, you know, you're talking about the big four in Florida and UCF starting to be on par with FSU and UM and et cetera. Here's another indicator of that. In rounds one through four over the last five years, UF has had 21 uh, players drafted. FSU has had 11. Miami has had 10. And UCF has had nine. The Cows, only two. But my point is, Nine, 10, and 11. So that recruiting advantage that they used to enjoy. Now, obviously, us not being at a power conference, quote-unquote power conference, is still an issue. But clearly, we're making strides. And those are things that and stats that these coaches can sell, especially as Gus is going out and saying, why not UCF? Um, You know, these are things that the coaches can sell. And I think it, it, again, shows the growth of the program, the exposure, everything that's built off of the the Blake Bortles years and then the 2017 season and then the 2018 season, the more and more we're growing, the more opportunities there are. And there's going to be less and less uh, barriers for us to go out there and get some of these great kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but uh, by the way, you mentioned USF. How many picks did they have that were drafted in this draft? Uh, I, I don't remember I think, seeing anything about I, it. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't think they had any. <laughs> I mean, think about oh, it this way. Boy. In the last five years, in, in, in rounds one through four, they've only had two. So that should tell you, in five years. It's, it's almost like their championships that they've won. <laughs> well, Zero. at some point... At some point, I want to make sure. Well, actually, they just won one, and we—I we, don't really like saying this. Oh, not a they football just, championship. No, nothing they won in the, That's what we're talking. Uh, about. Remember, we're talking about football. remember last. Remember last year, we won. We won the cheerleading uh, championship. Uh, this year, you uh, the cows came out of nowhere and um, actually won this year's championship. UCF placed second by point oh three or 0.04 points and Kentucky it's usually UCF and Kentucky and Kentucky placed a distant third. So Hmm. unfortunately they actually have a trophy in their case now. Well, it's for cheerleading though. I mean, cheerleading is cool and all that. And we've been national champions. I don't know how many times. So, um, I think three or four. Yeah. Well, oh, well, uh, by the way, uh, if you're watching the men's soccer game, they won 2-1, to one. so that's good. And moving on to the Sweet 16 for the second consecutive season. Super exciting. Really cool. Happy for those guys. Yep, they, they were ranked, and uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, they kind of – I wasn't expecting much. I, I don't know if you guys remember, but earlier on in the season, I was kind of talking them up before they – we got into uh, into the regular season, and then they just kind of fell apart. But then they kind of put it back together again. They're ranked um, as well. And as you said, for the second consecutive year, um, they are um, in the turn. Well, third straight year, they're in the tournament. Second year, they're going to the Sweet 16. So that program is definitely moving in the right direction. Absolutely. That's awesome. 
Very good. Okay. Uh, what else? Well, next I had some recruiting news. Um, so little bits and pieces that are coming out. There's been a lot of uncertainty um, regarding visits and stuff like that. We, we saw Gus and the, and the coaches start to come out and say, hey, we've got official visits scheduled for June. Uh, but we didn't really have any official um, you know, approval from the NCAA. Well, uh, not only did the NCAA approve visits, uh, they will resume officially on June 1st, but they also made a controversial uh, rule that is really going to be interesting. Um, they have allowed now unofficial visits. They provided a, va- a waiver for those folks to allow kids to work out in front of the coaches. So that was not allowed before. But what's going to end up happening is a lot of these kids that couldn't participate in camps and weren't in, um, you know, weren't on people's radars, the teams uh, themselves and the players are not going to have to use official visits to evaluate the players. So, um, you know, that's going to, in the past, uh, a player had five official visits and during the unofficial visits, they couldn't be evaluated by the staff. So I don't know how that's going to play for us because there may be kids that we had recruited and we got committed um, that did not have the opportunity to get tape or play in front of some of the other schools. But I'm wondering how that's going to affect us and vice versa. Yeah, well, that's, that is interesting that they've allowed that to, to happen. There's a lot of very interesting things that the NCAA is doing. Um, NCAA, I usually say that mixed together there. Um, it, it's very interesting what they're doing um, with all this stuff. They've, I think that they, they need to make some rules uh, a little bit more on these things, though, especially with this transfer portal thing, because it's going to get out of hand pretty quickly if they don't. Uh, and you never know what some of these other rules that they're coming up with, how those can get out of hand and, and misconstrued as well. Yeah, so I agree. Our compliance people, for sure, at UCF and, and every school are really going to have to have their uh, heads on a swivel, I like to say, and really, really know what's going on uh, with these rules and be able to prevent, you know, their teams from and their schools from making uh, accidental NCAA violations. So. Well, it's going to be really interesting on on campuses, right? Where for these coaches that have spent time uh, virtually recruiting these kids, and if uh, that opens the door for some of them to flip, because now it's basically they can go to any school they want, uh, whereas before they could only have it for five um, five official visits. Now they can go to any school that they want and perform in front of the coaches. Yeah. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be real interesting. And then the other thing, uh, we mentioned this on the radio show, but we have uh, obviously not been on for a couple of weeks. Uh, We have been consistently talking about Cam Moore, who was Brandon Moore's brother uh, at Seminole High School. Um, And, you know, we were all wondering and had been talking for a few shows as to why uh, Cam had not received a scholarship offer. But good news is, UCF has uh, offered him a scholarship. He's a six foot two offensive or outside linebacker uh, from Seminole High School, right up the road from you, Andrew. And um, and uh, it sounds like UCF heard us and they've officially offered him. So that's exciting news. 
And then um, finally, in basketball recruiting, uh, since the last we spoke, Johnny Dawkins uh, brought in, and I'm going to probably murder this, so I apologize in advance, Ed Xavier Rhodes. Uh, he, he's out of Texas. He's for, he's a forward, six foot nine, three star, and he had a lot of great offers. So he signed his letter of intent and uh, super excited about getting him on the floor. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, good recruiting stuff there, uh, by the way. Uh, for sure, in the basketball mecca of UCF, uh, definitely a big deal there to get the kind of the guys that, that he's starting to get. Johnny Dawkins has turned on the recruiting thing, I think, a little bit more uh, in the last couple of years. getting guys Especially the are, high school recruits. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Uh, yeah. Versus just bringing in transfers. The transfer portal is going to heat up there as well, though, so we'll have to keep our eye on what happens there. I think spring sport, which I think, I don't know, it's not, I think it's considered a spring sport, basketball. No, it's a fall sport. Is it a fall sport? Yeah. Okay, well, I guess it is because it starts in like November or whatever. But May 1st was the, I guess, the deadline to uh, enter the transfer portal for guys. So from what I just read, May 1st, and then spring was something else. And we really aren't losing anybody material uh, from that anyway. Moses Bowl was one of them. Um, Spring sports is July 1st. So yeah. It says starting in 2022. So I don't know if 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 that has – that must not have kicked in yet, but whatever. These It's so confusing because they keep changing the freaking rules. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I mean, there's there's mm-hmm. so much. Well, they've been the same for so long, and then all of a sudden it's, you know, and they're playing it by the seat of their pants. And going back to your point before, they're playing with fire. They are. Uh, because at the end of the day, it, there's longstanding uh, repercussions for this. It's going to last for at least two to three years if they are just doing it for and doing the changes just for the players that went through COVID. It doesn't this sound like they year. are, though. I mean, I haven't read anywhere where it says it's just for the 2021 season. So Right, and that's what I mean. I mean, they have to be more specific. And if they're not, uh, then what's going to end up happening is, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of unintended consequences that these guys didn't think about because they're just out there making changes without any kind of caps or 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 expirations or anything like that. Yeah. Well, I haven't had time to read into a lot of this stuff. I've been really busy, but uh, I'll have to make some time, I guess, to try to understand a little bit about this a little bit more. But it, it definitely brings this this brings free agency into college sports, basically. And I've been Absolutely. saying that since this all was a rumor that they were going to do this. And even the really when the transfer portal really came to light, it's been around for years. I mean, it's always there's always been transfers for I don't know how many years when that started, probably in a long time ago. But it's just different now, especially because, you know, people are aware of who goes into the tra- transfer portal and who doesn't. You know what I'm saying? That was never really readily available information. Uh, now, the 24-7 sports has most of it on there. In, although, I've been looking for these guys that went in there. They haven't updated their transfer portal stuff lately, I don't think. So none of those guys that we've been talking about that are in the transfer portal for football are even on the uh, 
thing right now. So hopefully they update that at some point. So it's a bit confusing, obviously. But I guess, you know, I mean, they have to work it out or, you know, I mean, I think this personally, and I don't want to open a can of worms here, but but I think that this, decisions like this by the NCAA are at some point going to piss off a lot of conferences. And we've been talking about it for years, about schools leaving or conferences leaving the NCAA behind. That could be crazy. It could be good in a way and bad in a way. Uh, you you could easily, by doing that, honestly, with, with all the, the, the players getting paid for their name, image, and likeness, it's almost creating, it would almost create like a, another professional sport. So um, it could be very interesting if, if stuff like that starts to happen as repercussions of the, the new rules that the NCAA is making. Well, I mean, if you went that far, I mean, would the likes of ESPN or whatever throw the money at a separate conference like that, or would they keep it? Yeah, of you course know, they the... would. Exactly. Because so that's that means what even less would... money for everybody yeah, else. Yeah, but that's what everybody would want to watch, I would think. And you're going to get really left out if you're not in that group. Just like, you know, schools are left out of not being in the quote-unquote power five. Right. So that would even create further divide. But then again, I guess, I mean, the positives could be for the for the teams that were left behind, maybe there could be a true playoff. Right. Just like, I mean, I'm watching the FCS playoffs right now on TV. It's great football because it's a tournament. It's a real tournament. <laughs> it's... It, it, I don't even know if this is honestly sometimes lower level football. This is just as good a football that's that's played on any Saturday in the FBS. So, and a lot of players that are on these teams in the FCS could easily be on teams that are in the FBS. So, that's my well, bandwagon for that. Let's let's hope uh, we can at least get the the G five label off of us. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, um, and something that's that's happened that's uh, fairly recent within the past week or or so, the college football playoff committee got together, and it appears based on what they're saying and what's coming out of that meeting that after this current cycle. They are definitely going to expand, and the preferred model is the 12-team model. So um, not going to an 18-team playoff, not going to a 16-team playoff, but going straight into a 12-team playoff, which is really, really interesting because that would make the argument extremely um, uh, extremely strong to get an auto bid for at least the quote-unquote G5. If not the G5, then hopefully, uh, and what what Oresco has been pushing recently, he's been out there grandstanding, is make it a true P6 and give the AAC an auto bid, which would be extremely interesting. So um, I think that's the least likely scenario. I would think that if it does get pushed through, the the minimum we would get would be an auto uh, auto bid for the G5. And if the current structure in UCF didn't get moved up at some point, um, at least we'd have a path 
but it would be a difficult path. You'd probably play the number one seed or number two, uh, number two seed or something like that early on. Um, but it'd be re- really interesting and, and change a lot of dynamics out there. UCF could legitimately say, hey, we have a path to the national championship, which is part of the reason why uh, you know, other coaches can use that against us currently because there is no true path. I mean, Gus can say it all, all he wants, but realistically speaking, uh, the undefeated season and the 2018 follow-up season proved without a shadow of a doubt in my mind that there's no way in the current model that a quote-unquote G5 team will make it. So why you would know, they, them, real quickly, why would they they stop at 12, though, instead of going to 16 like they do for the FBS or FCS championship? Well, the big argument is um, how long can you lengthen the seasons for quote-unquote player safety? And the other big thing you was... You shorten the you know, regular season. Right. And then the other thing was that they wanted to make sure, you know, for a long time, um, college football has tried to protect the bowl system. And what you're seeing now is... (laughs) It's very broken. Especially when they're begging teams to play in bowls. Letting teams into bowls that weren't really eligible. You know what I'm saying? To try to fill those bowls. And a lot of the bowls nobody wants to watch. A lot of them well, are really Well, they're just advertising boring. revenue for whoever. I mean, ESPN owns 40 of the bowls. And exactly. the only reason they put them on is for the ad revenue. Yeah, exactly. So at the end of the day, um, what, what you've heard for the first time, and this again came out of the meetings and what I was reading this week, um, they don't care as much about the bowl system. I mean, if they just folded in the major bowls into that 12-team playoff, um, and then shorten the season by one game because some uh, some already play nine, some play ten, uh, or take one of the uh, preseason games away and shorten it to three. Uh, then you've got your you know you've got your schedule squared away. But it seems that 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 bowl system is not going to be as protected, and um, they are definitely from everything everybody's saying coming out of that meeting, including the commissioners and and ads, is they're all saying that. They want to expand, and right now, 12 is the number. So that's really, really interesting. Um, if we, if the AAC can a- obtain an auto bid, I mean, right there, that would that would completely change the dynamic. Um, Oresco said that he's open, which is different again, that he's open to 14 teams in the AAC. Now, the question is, who would you bring in? Because at that point, you would want to strengthen the conference as much as possible to guarantee that the AAC, if it wasn't an auto bid, got the auto bid 100% of the time. So I'm yeah. guessing you'd probably want a Boise or BYU. I just think that they should move this straight to 16 and, and do it just like the FB, FCS does. It would just make so much more sense, personally. I agree with you. I mean... Auto bid for everyone. Auto bid? For well, the I conference. Mean, yeah, just... No, for I the mean, conferences. Yeah, well, the best teams. I don't. Even, I don't even think you would have to have auto bid at that point. You would just. It would be the best teams. I mean, I, in in the FCS, I don't think anybody has auto bids. I mean, they're ranked one through sixteen, and and it's it's that simple. They you know they play a playoff, and and then it crowns a true national champion. I mean, these games are great. Uh, this is one of my favorite. I mean, it's now because it's it's this time of year 
this year, but it, it normally never is. But I love to watch the playoffs in the FCS Division Two and Division Three. Have have great tournaments. I for the life of me, I cannot understand why they can't figure this out in the FBS. I know it's because of the bowls, obviously, but they've got to do something to make this right. I mean, this is ridiculous. Well, I think it's the bowls, and I think it's because, remember, everybody, the playoff is actually an invitational. It's not an NCAA-sanctioned event. Right. So, uh, ESPN... Right. ESPN has the uh, interest of... Their interest is in getting the maximum number of viewers to any particular game, which is why they have it and why they've invested so much into it. So that means that you're going to want to engage different regions of the country, right? So that's why they have Power 5. That's why they have a West Coast team. They have uh, the West Coast. They have uh, the Pac-12. They have the Big 10. They have uh, the big 12 in different regions of the country. And so what they want to do is get those teams in of those five conferences, because they have the biggest fan base and uh, most established fan bases that are probably going to watch the game. Um, and then regional interest involved as well. Um, so that's, that's why they have, uh, they, what, that's why they've instituted those auto bids and, you know, realistically speaking, if they did do it that way, because it's an ESPN invitational, I can almost guarantee you that no G5 would go above uh, ranking number 16 at that point if they did it that way. Because the money is just too much to be had. Well, They'd that's the have... problem then. The problem is money. In, in college sports, the problem is money. And, Agreed. And what are they going to do with, with all this free agency stuff and then... I'm sorry. I know a lot of you are going to disagree with me on this, but the name image likeness thing, I'm not a fan. I'm still not a fan. I'll never be a fan. You can, you can tell me and argue with me everything that you want to do with that, but amateur athletes should be amateur athletes, period. It messes up amateur athletes because you're not paid to be an amateur. That's the, that's the difference between a pro athlete and an amateur athlete. I think this whole thing is a huge mistake for college sports. That's just my opinion. We can agree to disagree. I'm not changing my, my, uh, my thoughts on that. It's just one of those things. I've done it. I, I, I don't feel like I was repressed in any way that I didn't get to use, make money off of myself in college. I'm good. I think most other people should be as well. I don't think there was a lot of complaints over the years until the internet came around that, that people started really complaining about that. So, Well, there was no way for them to monetize them, themselves on their own. Now they've got social media channels to help do that, and the reach is much larger. Social media has screwed up a lot of stuff, I think, personally. I love it, and I hate it all at the same time. Social media has made the world a more difficult place to live in, personally. Just my opinion. Anyway, that's another, I, another yeah. thing that we can go on for hours about. But <sighs> these, <laughs> this stuff just hit a nerve. It hits a nerve with me. 
because I liked the way that college football was before these crazy transfer rules and everything else that they're trying to do now. I think that it's ruining college sports. It's making them pro sports. If we wanted to watch pro sports, there's plenty of games to watch. We loved college football and college sports because we knew that those were amateurs. We didn't have to see commercials with their faces in them. It was just a college football game. It was playing for your school. It was playing for pride. It wasn't playing for money like the NFL, the NBA, MLB, and and 10 other organizations. It was playing for the pride of your school, and that was it. And now it's not. When you add all this other stuff into it, free agency, paying players, you know, I mean, it's, I think it's ridiculous and it, it kind of is a, it's a huge turnoff for college sports. And I I know I'm not the only one out there. I may be the only one that, that is, has balls enough and I can say balls on this show. Uh, I can't (laughs) say that on other ones, but I can't even say cojones, well, but anyway, that's well, another Well, technically story. you can, but... I could have uh, said balls. I can't say cojones, I guess. That's but, right. But whatever. Uh, it's, I may be one of the only people that has the balls to say that, but I do, and, and that's my opinion, and you can either like my opinion or not. It's just my opinion. I don't care either way, <laughs> really. So uh, I'm sure we will debate this more and more as time goes on, but... It just, uh, all of this stuff really hits a nerve with me. It's just the way that it is. So thank you for listening to Andrew's moment of of despair, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I haven't had a we... good rant in a long time. So. Yeah, you, you got a couple it, in tonight, man. I have. I have had a couple. I'm just kind of in that mood. You know what it was? What? <laughs> this is way off topic, but I'll tell you what really set me off today. First of all, I went to Walmart. That is an experience in itself. I have not been to Walmart in a long time. In fact, especially since this whole COVID thing started, I stopped going to Walmart. One of the reasons why is they ask for your receipt on the way out the door. There's nothing more that I hate than when somebody asks... and I, and. Let me explain this correctly, because I go to Sam's Club and BJ's and stuff like that where they ask for your receipt uh, at the door. I don't mind that. But at Walmart, at BJ's and Sam's, everybody in Costco, everybody gets their receipt looked at. Everybody. It's a club. it's, It's just different. You know what I'm saying? Right. At Walmart... It seems like only certain people. I watched it today, and I watched four people with full carts with way more expensive stuff than I had not get their receipts checked. But when I walk through, I get my receipt checked today. That pisses me off more than anything in the entire world. It just makes me mad. And I say to the person, I say, I'm not showing you my receipt. Call the cops. Do you really think that I'm shoplifting something? Are you accusing me? So... Oh that, boy. Yeah, I, I was very upset by that today, and it will probably make me not go back to Walmart for a long time again. Uh, it, it's inconsistent, and 
you know, I'm like, if you think I, sh- this is what I told the person. I said, if you think that I shoplifted something, call the police. I'll wait right here. Of course, they're not going to do that. But right. I just don't understand why it's certain people and why it's not other people. Check everybody's receipt if you're going to check receipts. That's just, it's just one of those things that made me extremely mad today. Anyway, sorry. All right. Uh, well, that was another edition another, of Grind My Gears know, with Andrew. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I probably shouldn't have told that story, but whatever. Stuff like that just makes me mad. Uh, you know, and, and it, I don't know. People will think I'm petty, I'm sure, for being mad about that. But I bet there's a bunch of other people that agree with me as well. So uh, it will be Publix and Aldi and other places besides uh, Walmart for me for a while. Anyway, (laughs) back to UCF sports, I guess. Maybe we should Um, take a break. Let's take a break real quick and we'll come back and talk about some more stuff. If you haven't figured it out yet, I love Tijuana Flats. I would love them even if they weren't a partner with us on the Nightline Sports Network. They have all kinds of great Tex-Mex food, and it's fresh, by the way. Made to order burritos, tacos, enchiladas, chimichangas, quesadillas, bowls, nachos, and taco salads. And if you haven't tried the queso, you are completely missing out. It is the best queso that I've ever had in my life. Absolutely hands down. And the sauce bar that they have, everything from wild to mild in there, absolutely awesome, awesome stuff. Not only do I love the food at Tijuana Flats, but I love the company, a UCF-born company. And they give back to the community with the Justin Queso Foundation. So head to your local Tijuana Flats, Tex-Mex for everyone. Hey Jeep Wrangler owners, have you ever sat in your office at work and watched the rain just pour into your Jeep because the weatherman said that there was a zero chance of rain or you put your doors back on because there was a 100% chance and then not a drop of rain fell? Well, there's a company out there that can help take the worry away and give you the peace of mind to be without your doors. The company's called Life Without Doors. They make waterproof rain curtains and dash covers for Wranglers. Life Without Doors is there to help make the decision to leave the doors at home an easy one. Find out more at lifewithoutdoors.com. Spice up your company with homemade marketing services from Tasty Gravy Creative. Tasty Gravy serves up the menu of budget-friendly marketing, graphic design, and public relations services customized to your specific goals. Co-owned by a UCF graduate, Tasty Gravy can help refresh your brand, strengthen your online presence, or reinforce your company's message. Contact Tasty Gravy for help with your website, social media, marketing, advertising materials, and more. Visit tastygravy.com. All right, in this segment, I promise there will not be a rant. There may be. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) they come in droves. Yeah. Welcome back, folks, from that uh, commercial. Uh, We're back and we're talking about uh, what are we going to talk about this time, Roger? What what do we got next? Championships and and literal champions, as we had mentioned before. This is your literally uh, thing. Yeah, I've used literal and literally in the same uh, show. So I am the real cool guy here. So thank you, Chad Barr, uh, for pointing that out. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so, literally. Uh, you know, 
uh, we haven't we haven't talked in a few weeks, but during that span, UCF has had a lot of success. So I wanted to make sure I um, shouted that out to the teams of the various teams that have been maybe have been flying under the radar for some people, but for all of us, uh, just wanted to say how proud we were of them. Um, so we've got four conference championships uh, to talk about within that span. One was the number eight UCF women's tennis team winning their back uh, winning their back-to-back undefeated play and tournament championships this year. So in other words, uh, last year and this year they were undefeated in conference play and won the championship and and they did it in a deciding factor by crushing the cows literally five to one. So uh, great for the ladies uh, of the tennis team. obviously um, they're playing great tennis as, as their ranking indicates. But to do it in that fashion against the cows in the championship was amazing. Um, next on the list was number eleven men's tennis. Tennis were also conference cha- uh, championships uh, champions. Wow! And this was the first time in program history. So unlike the ladies, this was the first time that the men's team had won uh, the conference championship. So that's super exciting news as they're breaking new ground. Obviously, again, they're ranked number eleven, so they're doing something right. For the third straight year, we just talked about UCF men's soccer. They won their tournament and now uh, have won the game against JMU um, in the in the NCAA. So we'll be moving into um, the Sweet 16 for the second year in a row. So excited for them. And then obviously we talked about women's volleyball recently won their conference tournament. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't make it past the first round. So um, just wanted to give a shout out to all those teams um, had exceptionally successful seasons. Uh, the team, the the program as a whole is extremely healthy and uh, the coaches are doing a great job. Awesome. All righty. I think now it's time for the uh, Tijuana Flats Hot Take of the Week. Welcome to the Tijuana Flats Hot Take of the Week. Visit TijuanaFlats.com for takeout or delivery or visit your local Tijuana Flats. Tex-Mex for everyone. All right, Roger, I think I'm going to let you do this one this week because I don't have one. Um, I, I, I just don't have one. I'll probably have one on Tuesday night because we do this segment on there as well. But right now, I just I don't have one. So go ahead. All right, so uh, I'll take the lead and and continue with uh, UCF women's tennis as the as the uh, theme. So for my Tijuana Flats hot take of the week, I'm going to say that UCF women's tennis will make it to the semifinal of the NCAA championships this year. So I I almost went out on a limb and said that they were going to make it to the championships this year, um, but uh, I think for sure 100, I think they're going to make the semis. Uh, they just have been playing extremely well. The team's well coached. They've kind of been building on what they're doing and they've been playing great, uh, in doubles as well as singles play. Um, so I'm extremely excited about that. And, uh, I think they're going to do a great job and make it a long way. So hats off ladies. I have high expectations for you. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you Tijuana flats for your help getting all this done and everything as well. Get to Tijuana Flats and get some of that awesome Tex-Mex food. I absolutely love it. 
I'm Jeff Allen. Join me each and every week on the Nightline Sports Network for the AAC Report. We bring you in-depth coverage of each school in football, basketball, baseball, softball, soccer, golf, tennis, and more, as well as bring you insider interviews and focus in on the biggest games and news of the week. That's all right here each week on the AAC Report, only on the Nightline Sports Network. Hello, Night Nation. This is Andrew Fagley reminding you to tune in every Tuesday night, 9 to 10 p.m. on WDBO 107.3 FM and AM 580, plus the WDBO app for Nightline at Night. Brought to you by Chad Bar Law. We'll be taking your calls and your texts, reacting to the previous week's UCF sports action, and you never know who will show up. Once again, that's Nightline at Night, every Tuesday, 9 to 10 p.m. on WDBO 107.3 FM and AM 580, plus the WDBO app. Go Knights and charge on. Welcome. This is a promo for the Take a Left at Albuquerque podcast, new to the Nightline Sports Network. You should listen to it. I say things like this. We need to stop blaming Jerry because we would do the exact same thing if we owned the Dallas freaking Cowboys. Do you know how much fun it is to own the Dallas Cowboys? My guests will say things sometimes like uh, this. It's, it's the Lord of the Flies thing that happens when they don't understand that things are wrong spoiler alert until piggy dies yeah, um Lord it, it, of the flies has been out for like like 100 years it, like, it, i don't it, even know yeah yeah, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. sorry sorry to everyone at home yeah. who i spoiled the book for a book's been out for like 90 years or something and sometimes rarely though i'll say really stupid things like this if they don't make it out of the west and the raptors get to the finals I will go on either this show or whoever show and say that Kawhi Leonard is overrated I just because I have too much evidence of it. New episodes drop every Friday with me and some of my good friends right here on the Nightline Sports Network. And now, news and notes from the world of UCF Sports. Congratulations to the newly minted college football playoff intern, Tiffany P. Uh, cannot say her last name because if you saw it, uh, I don't think you could say it either. So I'm not even going to try. So as she is the first UCF alumni to work for the uh, college football committee, hopefully she'll help us out a little bit. This name is about, uh, what, 20 characters and has PH, which, you know, my name has PH as well, but... So does mine. Yeah. Your, well, yeah, yours does too. It's, I didn't ever, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I'm not even going to try this because there's probably at least 20 characters. I haven't counted them, but it's a lot. Folks, I, I really tried this week to give you guys a good chuckle. Um, I'm not you doing know. it. And uh, he he totally just uh, he just totally blipped out. But a smart Walmart move on his point it for all of you, because <laughs> there was no way that uh, I could have said that either. Um, but congratulations! Right. Should to I give Tiffany. it a try? I'll butcher it, but I'll give it a try. All right, give it a try. I think it's Faganuracha, <laughs> something like that. Faganuracha or something like that. Or Anna for for Fogun Farachana. That's Fogun Rachana, something like that. Yeah, that's pretty close. 
Something like that. I don't know. There's a lot of syllables in there, though. I'm there sure, is. I'm sure I missed like five. <laughs> I'd be interested well, to see. I may contact her and just tell her to say your name for me. <laughs> we want to make sure we say this correctly. Yeah. But congratulations to Tiffany. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, UCF baseball took three out of four from Memphis on the diamond this weekend. Congratulations to the team. Remember, they, uh, after a rough start and uh, a learning season, uh, they reached 500. So keep uh, keep the growth going, guys. All right. And speaking of baseball, unfortunately, Greg Lovelady announced that uh, starting pitcher Colton Gordon is done for the year and is going to have Tommy John surgery. What a bummer. Uh, that's a that's a big deal for pitchers, especially. Um, I actually have had that injury, but not had to have the surgery. Thank goodness. Uh, it has to be extremely painful for a pitcher to go through that, though. Yeah, and it takes about a year of recovery. So, unfortunately, Colton won't be on the mound for a while. Let's hope for a good recovery. The good news is Tommy John's surgery has advanced quite a bit, and. Um, you know, in the past, it, it was basically a death sentence for a career. Um, but uh, the guys now, the surgeries that they're doing now, a lot of guys are bouncing back and going on into the league. So also uh, called, wishing the best for yeah, him. Yeah, also called golfer's elbow by uh, definition as well. That's kind of the injury. You can get it from playing golf as well if you... Uh, what happened to me is I dug my club in trying to uh, a little bit far... Uh, hitting off of the fairway with a a wedge and you basically tear or you you, yeah you basically tear the ligament on the inside of your elbow and it is extremely painful it took me over a year before it stopped hurting just with exercise and stuff like that so I can't even imagine that for a a baseball player Uh, but that's where you see it the most Go ahead with your next one there, Roger. All right. So next on the list, UCF recently announced that the Charge On Tour is back. The dates uh, for the Charge On Tour are as follows. May 12th, uh, they'll be in Fort Lauderdale. May 19th, they'll be in the Space Coast. May 27th, they'll be in Oviedo. And in August, at some point, they'll be back in Orlando. So not as widely distributed as in years past, but glad to see that we're returning to some semblance of normalcy as the Charge On Tour returns. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, the Gus bus is trying to roll into SpaceX Stadium on Saturdays after Gus tweeted Elon Musk to lobby him to sponsor our stadium name. I think this is awesome, by the way. It would be absolutely perfect. We've all seen the shots of the uh, the, the SpaceX rockets and whatever else rockets taking off from our 50-yard line, basically. It would be a match made in heaven or in space. All right, this has been Nightline 255. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Roger Phipps. Go Knights. Charge on.